Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Nose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E-Dub, in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan from Here the Spear, presented to you by Noel Game Day. We are recording this Sunday afternoon after Florida State's win over number six UF. We're also giving our instant reaction to Florida State versus Boston College. Two games. We're going to recap all in this one episode, trying to give you guys some more content as usual. It's a pretty good weekend. Dustin gets a win with the Bucks. Florida State wins basketball-wise. These two guys are are happy. Florida State, of course, beats Boston College at Boston College, and um, and Austin has a primetime game tonight, and my Steelers are down seven, but I'm still staying positive. Yeah, undefeated sports weekend for me, so I'm feeling pretty good. Not, not to mention just the Bucks, but the Celtics also pulled through two wins for me, so feeling good. Not too shabby. Our, with us tonight is our lead writer, Dustin Lewis, and our lead basketball writer, Austin Beasy. Hope y'all are having a good weekend. I know we are. It's been a nice, a uh, little calmer, a lot of lot of content going out uh, from the site-wise, but we have a lot of stuff to talk about. We're just doing instant reactions, as usual. We record next week, uh, kind of looking ahead to the Alabama State game, coaching search, all the craziness, but this is all instant reactions to both uh, FSU versus BC and FSU versus UF basketball wise. So, what what, what were y'all's uh, y'all's first thoughts to, to the football game? Florida State beats Boston College thirty eight to thirty one up there in Chestnut Hill. What are y'all's first initial reactions to that game? Uh, that the James Blackman and Jordan Travis show is pretty fun to watch, and whenever Alex Hornibrook doesn't play, that's that's also pretty great as well. <laughs> Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised the guys came out to play. And that first uh, first quarter, they looked kind of sluggish, and then they got going, and it was it was a fun show. I was very pleasantly surprised. So you're so you're a little bit. We didn't hear much of anything quarterbacks wise with what Browse wanted to go with heading into the game. I think we were kind of curious. We've been very strong on here talking about Blackman and thinking. Uh, he works better for this offense um, and is a better passer and, and deep ball guy than Hornybrook. But seems like Browse, uh, Blackman is Browse guy, uh, and it worked out very well. He went for 346 yards. He went for two touchdowns, and he went also 18 of 26, the passer rating of 69.2. How about his day, guys? 
Yeah, I mean, what can you say about James Blackman? Like you said, Logan, we've, we've talked about it for weeks that we thought he should be playing over Alex Hornibrook, and he proved exactly why on Saturday from from just having complete command over the offense, the hitting that deep ball, especially the one to, in, to Terry in stride for a long touchdown. I mean, he just he had a phenomenal game, only missing eight passes on the day. And, you know, it just goes to show what he can do when he feels like the coaches are behind him. Yeah, Blackman was awesome. You could tell he was finally playing with confidence, which he hadn't been doing for the last few weeks when he had been in. And uh, he he showed up. He was awesome. And like you said, that deep ball to Terry was beautiful. He was getting hit as he threw and put it right in the bread basket. That was awesome to see. And uh, it's very Love interesting to see Jordan Travis as the backup. <laughs> I know we're going to get to that. But mm-hmm. seeing Bryles roll with uh, Travis instead of Hornerbrook, that was that told me something that I wasn't thinking coming into the game. You know what it nah. told me? It told me that Hornibrook might have been Willie Taggart's guy, not Browse's. Which surprises me because yeah. everyone thought uh, Hornibrook was Browse's guy. Yeah, no, the, the Jordan Travis thing was crazy. Just going back to Blackman's throw to, throw to Terry, though, that's something that we'd, we've seen from Blackman. Uh, he's been off, though. Uh, throughout the middle of the season, but he, he lit it up on fire on Saturday, and that ball to Tamaron, it, it couldn't have been any better. Um, and he looked, I don't know what it, he looked more comfortable. This is the most comfortable he's looked since Boston College game. He looked, uh, I don't know, he looked like a chief out there. He was just kind of doing his thing, hitting his guys, um, and playing smart. Uh, eluding also defenders too very well. Boy was running for some first downs. Uh, yeah. Didn't he have a didn't he have a backspin? Or is, am I thinking? Am I thinking of someone else? Someone had a backspin. Um, but uh, Blackman did look smooth. And then of course out of nowhere trots in Jordan Travis, which a lot of people were pushing for him to maybe get a some playing time this this week. And and sure enough, he went in there. What are y'all's thoughts on that? That was awesome. Um, I know a lot of people wanted him to see action, and as long as it's limited action like this, I say, why not? We need a running quarterback behind this horrible offensive line, and Travis is clearly the best runner of all the options on the roster, but we still haven't even seen him throwing a pass yet, so let's pump the brakes on on him starting. (laughs) Yeah, I was sitting on my friend's couch, enjoying a beer. Mind you guys, enjoying a beer. What kind of beer? And, uh... And what was it? Join a couple beers. I don't remember the brand. <laughs> yeah, you must have had a lot of beers then. You can't remember. <laughs> Join a, a couple of beers. beers. But um, sitting there watching the game, I see number 13 come in at quarterback and then just run up the right side for a touchdown. My initial, my initial thoughts are, did Joshua Kando just score a touchdown? That's how, that's how far Jordan Travis has kind of flown under the radar this season. But... He definitely put himself on the map on Saturday and uh, earned everyone's respect. And, you know, going forward, like you said, Austin, need to see him throw the ball a little bit. But as a dual threat, bringing him in there to run the RPO, I mean, it's the perfect fit. Yeah, and then it kind of stinks that it's at this late of the season. And, uh, I mean, Travis goes for – he was your leading rusher, two, three carries, 94 yards, two touchdowns. 
and it looked rather easy for him too. Of course, Boston College's defense isn't the greatest. Um, that's to be noted, but still, it looked fairly easy for him out there. And like you know, there's talk starting quarterback, starting quarterback. Let's let's see the man throw a little bit. I know there was some highlights of him uh, during the spring game, um, and if, if they're gonna. They're going to have both guys out there, and it's working. Uh, keep at it, because Florida State's going to face Alabama State, and then they'll have a bye, and then they'll go face Gain, or the Florida Gators in Gainesville. Uh, but, yeah, Odell Hagens is three in Odell right now. How about that? Isn't that, isn't that great? And did you all see that post-game locker room speech video? How could you not? It was everywhere. <laughs> yeah, amazing energy. Just noting on Travis one last time, his second touchdown run, 66 yards, where he turned on the Jets and out and outran every Boston College defender, was the longest run by a quarterback in Florida State history. Isn't that impressive? Crazy. And I, f- I think, was it yards per play or, or something like that? I think it was yards per play was the longest it has been, had been since the 2013 season, if I'm correct. Um, Wouldn't surprise me. The offense was clicking on Saturday, especially the passing game. Yeah, yeah. Travis really inflated the the rushing game stats. I would say Acres only had 18 carries for 59 yards, but when you bring in Travis, three carries, 94 yards, and two touchdowns, that inflates it a little bit. It's not a bad <laughs> average. Mm-hmm. 31.3 yep. average per rush. Terry led uh, receiving though but it's not to be mistaken that dj matthews had an incredible play and a nice day for himself too a lot of people were pissed about him during his pun return kind of got on my nerves a little bit too because i think he jukes maybe two times more than he really should i think he's fine if he just jukes once and it it worked on his from blackman to uh, dj matthews there man and his dive (laughs) from six six yards out i believe yeah, the verticality there to from from about the five yard line, one foot jump and just reaches the ball to the sideline. I mean, it was incredible. Technically, wouldn't that be horizontal? However, you say that horizontal, eh, whatever. Yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> he dove. He, <laughs> he dove. He dove. He scored. That's he what went happened. sideways, not up. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was noticed something very early on uh, during the game was seeing Isaiah Bolden back there at kick return, and I thought he looked pretty nice. How about you guys? Yeah, besides the muff on the one kickoff, yeah, you looked mm-hmm. great out there. You, you looked very in control. His vision was great. Um, yeah, other other than that one drop pl- yeah. drop kick, he, he looked really good. What the hell was he doing on that kickoff know. that he dropped? I've- I would It would not laughing. stay in his hands. Dying. He he. It like bounced into his hands, and it's just he's just juggling his hands around, and then he decides to start running anyway. And it, oh man, that was just a mess. But the couple where he actually was able to break it out, and get to around the forty-five, and have some space in front of him, he looked like a, a natural ball carrier back there. So excited to see what Isaiah Bolden can do. Yeah, moving forward, it'll be nice. It'll be interesting to see how he does. But I like he just go. He, he went vertical and he had good eyes, like Austin said. Uh, going down defensively too, real quick. Hamza Nasraldine has been a player this year. I think defensively, it's in. It's, it's probably between, for me at least, Asante and him for having 
just a solid. See, now that Marvin Wilson is out, I, I think he's one of your, if not best, defensive players on the field. He just finds places to tackle. I know he did have some hard times a little bit with A.J. Dillon, but A.J. Dillon is a definite, different specimen. But A.J. D- or uh, Hampson Nazardine, uh, 22 tackles in total, 11 solos. Uh, he's having a great season for sure. Amari Gaynor second in Stanford Samuels. Stanford Samuels actually had a pretty decent game too. Yeah, this was his best game of the season, I think. Yeah, I was talking shit about Stanford Samuels, and then he got a pick, and I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had a really nice tackle on a screen that probably should have been a touchdown, but he dove and just got the shoelace of the tight end and saved a touchdown. So uh, he had a really good game, I thought. Yeah, really just Hamza seemed to be everywhere on defense. I mean, no matter where Boston College put the football, there was Nazardine to get in on the tackle. And two out of his three last games, he had 17 tackles against Syracuse. He only had five against Miami. And he has 22 against Boston College. So he's starting to turn it up a little bit as we move forward. Dustin, we're going to need you to start talking louder. People are going to start getting mad in the comments if they can't hear you because you say some really impressive things. So. All right, I'll speak up. There you go. <laughs> I'm saying it publicly while we're recording, so then people, whenever they're DMing us or whatever, I, I, I told them, your girlfriend won't be mad if you're being a little too loud in the room, right? She's not here anyway. Oh, perfect, then. Let that voice go out. Um, let's see what we got here also. Uh, how about Kendall Browse's calls, too? I thought they were pretty interesting. I thought he uh, called a very nice game. I know we've kind of been giving him a hard time, and, and Twitter land has, too. But I thought he called a pretty nice game, definitely for using different guys that we haven't really – that haven't been out there, of course, like Jordan Travis was. But I remember seeing a play. If I can remember, it got called back for a flag, but it's pretty interesting. They had a guy – uh, who was it? Was it Cam Akers that flipped it back to Treshawn Harrison? It was something. Maybe it wasn't that. But did y'all see that? There was a flag and it came back, but they're going to the right side. And mm-hmm. the the uh, it was meant to be like a little pitch back to go for like another twenty yards or a touchdown there if that one defender wasn't there. But I thought he called a pretty pretty nice game too. And obviously James Blackman clicked, so that helped. Um, I think Kendall Browse had a pretty solid game, and he looked. Uh, it was a different kind of sideline too. I mean, this is probably the Odell Odell Hagen's effect, but from what we heard, Odell Hagen said it's time for everybody to grow up at halftime. Um, stop blaming each other, which we had seen on the uh, after penalties and whenever someone's scoring a touchdown, opposing team scoring a touchdown, we would always see the secondary accusing one of each other, putting their arms out. Uh, but Odell Hagan said straight up, it's time to grow up, boys. Um, and Kendall Bryles was pretty, um, I don't know, he, was, he had a lot of expression on the sideline and, and Odell Hagan's too. And that's a, that's a change that we haven't seen since uh, before Taggart was hired. You know, Taggart was very quiet and didn't really see much talking. There was a difference with Odell Hagan's. Uh, yesterday against Boston College. Oh no, just a different different feel, and I think that's what fits Florida State better. Got to have discipline. You got to be tough on these guys in order to have success. Yeah, seeing Browns blow up like that on the sideline, I forget exactly what the situation was. I think it was a false start or something along those lines. But yeah, it was something we haven't seen in years. But it's needed. Someone's got to tell these guys, "Hey, you're screwing up." And he he got onto him. It was it was good to see. 
Yeah, it just makes me wonder how much input Taggart had in the the play calling and and the overall offense because yesterday you could really tell with the the multitude of sets, the variety on offense that Kendall Bryles definitely had complete command of that offense yesterday. There was countless times where Florida State used play action to their advantage and I mean they just made a ton of different creative calls, getting Travis involved and I mean just everything. So just thinking about that and thinking about some of the other games that we've watched Florida State play this season. Just makes me wonder how much Taggart was affecting things and not just giving Bryles the complete reins to let it fly. Which sucks. You're being an offensive coordinator. You want him to do offensive coordinator things. It, it sucks to see a head coach probably meddle like he did. Yeah, it uh, does wonder, and that's started a lot of conversation of how much did Taggart play a role in, in kind of hindering Browse and what he could do and, and his creativity and where he wanted to go, what kind of sets, what kind of players he wanted to put out on the field. And I'm sure that's a conversation that will continue and we'll see a little bit more too. I think you'll see some some, some play on next, um, next Saturday too against Alabama State. You'll see some guys that we probably haven't seen all season get some chance. I think you'd see more of Jordan Young. Um, and so it should, it should be pretty nice. It, it should be a packed even though it's Alabama State, I think you'll see a pretty decent attendance for Odell Hagens going 3-0 and and most likely going 4-0, and but definitely before heading to Gainesville after the bye week. The next week, uh, Doak should be pretty rocking because right now I think it was I think the fan base is pretty happy where it's at. Of course, there's a lot still to move on to, and I think discipline and seeing that on the field and, and uh, fans, fans, Needed to see that on Saturday, and I think they'll see a lot of support for Odell Higgins on, on Saturday. Who's uh, uh, Dustin, we talked about it before we started recording. If Odell Higgins goes 3-0, and what should happen? Or now he, he wins out, beats Alabama State, beats Florida, and Gainesville. Yeah, this is assuming that the current ongoing discussion with Bob Stoops kind of fall, fall through, but I mean, yeah, just thinking about it, I would be I'd be perfectly fine with Florida State naming Odell Haggins the the next head coach of the program. Obviously he's he's been here for for so long. I mean, he's really what Florida State is about. And we saw that with how he led the team yesterday. I mean, the leadership and the fire he brings to this program just it really just changes things. It makes stuff different. Plus I feel like if you do hire Odell you're not going to pay him as much as the Bob Stoops, probably 2.5 to 3 million a year, and that gives you a couple extra million in the bag to go out and, and pack this staff with elite coordinators around him. So, really, that's that's honestly an interesting option to think about, and it's something that Athletic Director David Kurt Coburn even mentioned after the win yesterday. Yeah, the only thing I'd worry about is if he does win out and they promote him. If you if things don't go the way you want them to, how are you going to fire Odell Higgins? You can't do that. He's he is Florida State, so that that's the only thing I'm worried about. Obviously, there's a lot of ifs, but yeah. I think Odell's the type of guy, you know, if he gets made head coach, he would go out and do that to the best of his ability. And you know, if if Florida State decides to go with someone else as the head coach, just like they they did in 2017 when they brought Willie Taggart in. Of 
continuing on with Odell when he was in the interim back then. I think that he'd also be he'd be fine with that, and he'd go back to grinding as a defensive line coach. He just he wants the best possible outcome for Florida State, like he said countless times. That's what makes him, you know, so much of a, a great coach and a humble person. Really, just a great fit to be at Florida State. All right, so now on to basketball. Florida State on Sunday afternoon. Uh, defeats the Florida Gators, ranked number sixth in the country, 63-51. to 51. It really wasn't close after a little while in the second half. Uh, your leading guy is Devin Vassell, 13 points. He went 6-15, six, 6 rebounds, and 2 steals. Uh, how about that game? What, what are y'all's first reaction to that? Because I think uh, on the last podcast, y'all, y'all were both predicting a, a close game, and I know in your preview, Austin, uh, you predicted Florida State to win that game. And uh, there it is. So, so you're kind of spot on right now. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, my entire mood is summed up through former point guard uh, Xavier Tan Mays. Tweeted out after the game, UF and FSU basketball isn't a rivalry anymore. That's six straight. Y'all suck. That's, that's a whole mood right there. <laughs> yeah, I just want to thank Florida for hiring Mike White. Oh, yes. Back in 2015. Five years of Mike White. Five years of wins for Florida State and Leonard Hamilton. And just a complete domination of the Sunshine Showdown in recent years for Florida State. And hopefully it continues on. Let's make it a decade. And praise the Lord for the Florida Athletic Administration for extending Mike White. Despite despite him never beating us, he got an extension. That's awesome. I love it. Let's keep doing it. Yeah, people are cheering in Tallahassee. And I'm back from being muted. Perfect. Oh, perfect. Wow. I'm over here. Well, and well, Steelers just scored a touchdown, so it's seven-seven now. So I'm even. I'm in a great mood too, just like you guys are now. Tie game in Pittsburgh. Uh, so it seems me and you were talking about it, and crew Dustin, but uh, Osborne. I'm. I like his. I don't know. I like his energy that he brings and rebounding, and he's a, he's going to be a stud, I think, for Florida State this season. Yeah, we didn't really get to see a lot out of Malik offensively against Pittsburgh, but hustle and energy he displayed against uh, the Panthers, he just showed even further today and actually converted some on the offensive end. Osborne shot 4 out of 7 from the field, finished with 10 points, 4 rebounds, and a steal. Didn't get any blocks this game, but he's still averaging 2.5 a game after getting 5 back in Pitt. So really just a guy I want to see continue to grow in the system. And he, he already looks very well meshed in with the defense. I mean, he plays great defense, and then today he was around the basket for the right opportunities to get some buckets. Really just looked great out there. Yeah, Malik's awesome. I wish every single player was like Malik with his passion and energy, and his want to is just bigger than anyone else that was on the floor today. He's he's after everything. He wants to hold down that paint despite only being 6'8", six, 6'9". And until Dominic gets fully healthy, he's going to have to keep holding it down. And it's going to be a lot easier these next few games against the Western Carolinas of the world for him to hold it down. And yeah, he, he's awesome. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Mozzie, as we established last, pos- last podcast. <laughs> yeah, and this was his first chance to actually play in the Florida State versus Florida uh, rivalry, if, if that's what we're still calling it. Nope. And 
in the locker room after the game in the celebration video, and Malik might have been the most hyped up person in the group. I mean, really, I just think his energy is going to be a huge factor for this group. I don't think he's going to let anyone take a playoff. Yeah, that's how I feel, too. And I think that's good for any kind of sport you're playing. You'd like to have a guy on there. If you have a guy that screws up, keeps their head in the game, shot the high school musical, uh, and <laughs> keeps uh, guys on pace to keep playing. But, yeah, it didn't seem like really close in the second half. Was this more of a good Florida State team or a bad UF? I think it's more of horrible coaching by Mike White. Um <laughs> Because they've got talent. You can throw me out there and I could get that team to a Final Four. But he's... like He had Kerry Blackshear playing on the perimeter for most of the game, which doesn't make sense because considering Balsa was sitting with foul trouble and didn't play much, Dominic's not healthy. And when our best big man is 6'8", you'd think you'd put your best big man in the paint and have him go to work, but they didn't do that at all. So I, I think it was just mostly bad Florida. Um, but Florida State definitely didn't look good, especially defensively. Yeah, Florida's a really, a really talented team. I mean, I, I think recruiting-wise, they have one of the top high school-ranked teams in the country, if that makes sense. All their guys on their roster coming out of high school were mostly four- and five-star recruits. So this is a team that has a lot of talent. Um, like we said, Mike, Mike White is the gift that – it keeps on giving, so hopefully he can screw that up. But I think the Gators will find their footing a little bit as the season goes on. And you know, I I saw a really weird quote from Mike White. He said they don't even have they haven't even put in twenty five different sets so far because they want to take things slow with their guys. So really, it's it just sounds like the coaching has put them behind the eight ball to start the season. Yeah, to your point about talent, they have six blue chips on the roster: three five stars and three four stars. And that's not even including Kerry Blackshear, who is a high three-star. So they've got tons of talent. They just, they're not showing it right now. Even against UNF, they looked super lackluster. And then UNF only beat an NAIA school by eight points two days later. So, uh, yeah, Florida's just, they're in a funk right now with Mike White. Um, but they play in a bad conference. The SEC is notoriously just Kentucky and nobody else. So he'll get to 21s and he'll keep getting extensions. <laughs> And uh, how many blue chips does Florida State have on their roster? I you, think, you know, I can think of maybe I three. I think it's four. MJ, Patrick, Trent, and... That's that's the uh, three I can think of. Maybe Balsa? Three. Yeah, yeah, Balsa's four. So, yeah, really just outnumbering Florida State, I guess you... Talent-wise, talent I, I don't know. I don't, think well, there's, more, I don't think they're more talented than Florida State, but that's what the recruiting rankings say. They're more hyped than Florida State. We'll say that. Yeah. It's, it seemed like there was a big second half time adjustment, too. I know you were tweeting about it, Austin, but the way Forrest was playing, it seemed like they were more into the drive factor. And it seemed a little too patient. Offense wasn't clicking as much, but they went more aggressive when they got out on the court the second half. Yeah, that second half they came out and they the first six minutes they went on a 14-6 run and that was the ball game. Uh, we we ended up winning by uh, that distance between the run and from what we had in the first half. So yeah, those first couple minutes they were getting turnovers, they were getting steals, fast breaks, easy layups, easy dunks. We were taking and making our jump shots, which we weren't doing in the first half. Um, yeah, that second half was a completely different ball club. 
And uh, whichever coach put the scout together, they did a good job. Yeah, and I thought even when Florida State got into the into their half court sets, I mean they were still really excellent ball movement. They were moving the ball around the court. They had a couple errant passes. I remember one where MJ took a pass in the corner, drove under the basket, tried to swing it out to Trent, and it just rolled out of bounds. But Florida State had eight assists in the in the second half, and really just the passing. They weren't really passing the ball in the first half. It was just too too passive on offense, and they really turned that aggressiveness into excellent ball movement, which turned into baskets. And they looked like a seamless unit on offense in the final 20 minutes. Yeah, and this, they only had nine turnovers all game, which is amazing, and down to 17 fouls compared to 28 against Pittsburgh. Uh, Trent himself had seven assists, so yeah, the, the ball movement and ball handling was much better all game than it was Wednesday night against Pittsburgh. With uh, with podcasts, we can't show you anything visually, but Leonard Hamilton just quote tweeted, put a tweet above an image that someone sent him. The image is a graphic. Uh, it's from a meme. Leonard Hamilton has Mike White on his shoulders and holding his hands just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Leonard Leonard Hamilton yeah, tweeted, tweeted that. Yeah, <laughs> tweeted, you know I don't wear a watch because <laughs> in the image uh, the guy is holding Mike White's hand. He has a watch on, but it's Leonard Hamilton's face and Mike White with his sad, mad face. Oh, one He's of the players sent me that. One of the players sent me that image after the game. I can't believe they actually tweeted it. Uh, oh, not denying yeah. that he owns the shit out of Mike White, and you. Have- <laughs> yes. I'm in tears. Oh my god. It's, hilar- <laughs> it's hilarious. I, I just had to bring. I'm sure if you're listening to the podcast, y'all gotta go check out Leonard Hamilton's Twitter. I wonder if that's that started really what this off season with his Twitter yeah. kind of switching this way. I wonder if that's to do with maybe. Do you think this is like a recruiting move too? I mean. Of course, it's just his official account, but I, I feel like, you know, you know, players and recruits are out on social media, but I mean, this kind of stuff just kind of puts his, I don't know, just puts him out there a little bit more. Yeah, I think it definitely just, just helps like his, for him too. Yeah, just helps his social presence. Obviously, you have, when you have a good social media presence, a lot of people are going to take notice, and that includes recruits as well, so... Yeah, Leonard Hamilton really just killing the Twitter game right now. Yeah, he is. What are y'all's thoughts um, after this game? You know, Florida State's going to have its season opener uh, against the Western Carolina Catamounts uh, on Friday at 7. But what do you guys feel about heading into the season, uh, home opener? And then they'll face Chattanooga, St. Francis, PA. We'll get some small teams. But how, how are y'all feeling after kind of a beat down in Gainesville. I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I can't lie. I, the, both games went pretty much how they expected to. I didn't expect us to win by 12 today, obviously. But the pick game went exactly how I thought it would. Even though we lost, it still went exactly how I thought it would. And then today, the first half was exactly how I thought it would. And then the second half, we just blew them out of the water. It was it was awesome to see. And I, that momentum is going to be huge going into these next few games. Western Carolina put up a really good fight against Georgia and Anthony Edwards uh, in their season opener. So we'll see if they can continue some of that momentum. But, uh, yeah, these next few home games are going to be good to get these 
uh, younger, inex- inexperienced guys some minutes like Nate Jack and hopefully Raekwon Evans. We didn't get to see him today, even though he was cleared. Um, Balsa, Wyatt Wilkes, and Anthony Play get these guys some confidence and hopefully keep rolling throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I think this is a win that can really propel Florida State through the rest of its non-conference slate. They got four four games in a row that they should win before playing Tennessee in the Emerald Coast Classic, which should be a tough game. Following that, they, they go to Indiana for the ACC Big Ten Challenge, which should, all, which should also be a tough game. So these next four at home, I'm really looking for Florida State to kind of tune up some of their mistakes that they've made thus far integrate guys further into the rotation and, and get a look at some guys that haven't gotten a ton of minutes yet. Yeah, these kinds of games are the ones you're used to having before you play Florida and Pittsburgh. Yeah, the, exactly. The schedule makers did us no favors for the first part of the schedule, and now it's time to get right off some easy wins and hopefully get back in the top 25. Well, I think that will do it for our two reactions to FSU versus BC and FSU versus UF. Both teams come away with wins this weekend. Uh, as always, you can listen to this podcast everywhere, all pretty much iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, and YouTube. Also, if you're on YouTube, subscribe over there. If you're on iTunes, make sure you subscribe too. It will let you know every time we upload a new episode. Uh, and if you rate us five stars, it helps a lot with growing listeners to other uh, FSU fans out there. Uh, also, if you're on Twitter, make sure you're following uh, the podcast Twitter at Hear the Spear, the same as our podcast name. You can tweet us if you have any questions that we should bring up. Feel free to throw them at us over there on the Twitter land. And then also, if you're not following our new Twitter yet, we're keeping up to date with this coaching uh uh, carousel, the craziness, uh, Bob Stoops stuff going on, uh, us other candidates coming uh, uh, out of the woodwork some <laughs> right now. A lot of rumors flying around. If there's anything new uh, on those side of things with FSU Coaching Search, we will update you guys on nolgandy.com. And that everything goes first to our Twitter. So if there's any breaking news or nuggets or updates we get, it's going to Noel Game Day, uh, the Noel Game Day on Twitter. But I think that is going to do it for our weekend edition of Recapping the Games. Uh, We will talk to you guys next week, maybe earlier. depends if someone gets hired or not. But we will talk to you guys next week. We always appreciate you guys listening. And we hope you all have a great rest of y'all's Sunday and a great start of y'all's week.